Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Clee Talk presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, my man? Doing good, Bob. Trying to survive winter up here. It's gotten pretty cold in Cleetown. Yeah. Below freezing. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's cold down here as well, and, and these homes are not built as well to contain heat as my Ohio home, so it's been kind of chilly. Uh, we had about a half inch of snow, and we had a half day on Friday, so just imagine that. Man, you guys down there in your half inch of snow. If we closed down for a half inch of snow, we'd be closed down for six months out of the year. It's not, I mean, it it's... It's the resources. It's not. It's not like I understand. I know what's up. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of funny though, especially coming from a place like Cleveland and people freaking out over a little dusting. Where I had one I snow it. day in five years of middle school and high school. Yeah, <laughs> I think I had one, maybe two. I think so. So, well, it was a a weekend of birthdays. My my fiance had her birthday on on Friday. Um, and so I wish her a happy birthday and, and whatnot. But for this podcast, uh, Edwin Encarnacion celebrated his 34th birthday over the weekend. The newest member uh, of the Cleveland Indians um, is already in town uh, being shown out and about a little bit. We, we thought we would take some time and have a little uh, a fun uh, wishing him a happy birthday and giving him a, a list of things to do in Cleveland and, and just to, to kind of familiarize himself uh, with the city because I think he's already uh, on, on the verge of being a fan favorite. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how you could be a, a fan of the tribe uh, after what they did in, in 2016 and, and not be super excited to have a slugger like Encarnacion joining the team. So, uh, Chris, I mean, w- what should Edwin be doing? Uh, these first couple weeks to celebrate his birthday and and to to get to know the city of Cleveland well first off happy birthday Edwin Encarnacion and Kayla so double birthdays there but focusing in back in on Edwin I mean how can you not be excited for the largest free agent signing in the history of this franchise and and a good one too I mean by by all accounts this was a value contract even though it was a big deal uh, but but how can you not recommend the Thirsty Parrot to Edwin Encarnacion? It's one of the better bars downtown. Uh, it's not far from the stadium, so he could theoretically, after the games, maybe uh, you know enjoy himself at the Thirsty Parrot. Uh, I don't know if he'd want to do that, but but I mean the guy. I mean he the whole Toronto thing where he's running the bases, he raises his right arm, and it became a whole parrot joke. I mean, how can you not recommend the thirsty parrot for this guy? It's just it's just too perfect. Uh, so hopefully you know he, he the, the, hopefully the bar can reach out to him and maybe they could do some fun commercials or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be fun. It's always good to see the the cheesy local commercials with these guys. Um, Timothy Mozgov was famous for those. Right. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, how can you not recommend the Thirsty Parrot for a guy who is known, has the whole raising his right arm, parrot on the shoulder joke. Uh, they, they had a stuffed parrot in the clubhouse once when he hit a walk-off home run. I think it was in a playoff game. So, uh, yeah. certainly number one on my list of things for him to do. Yeah, well, what's with the parrot? I mean, I think it's perfect that, I mean, Thirsty Parrot is right there, right on the corner next to the progressive field. 
Um, he, he walks the parrot around when he hits a home run. Why does he have the parrot? Well, it's actually kind of a, a funny story. So so he kind, he raised his arm kind of like an airplane, from what I can find. Uh, during a big home run back in 2012, uh, he drove in Kelly Johnson, Jose Batista, and Adam Lynn. So it was a grand slam. Uh and then, but but the teammates loved how he celebrated. He just kind of raised his arm, and he said it was kind of like an airplane. But if you know, if you put your arms up with your elbows out in in airplane formation, it also kind of looks like you know a pirate with a parrot on his shoulder. And so that kind of turned into a thing where the fans got creative and said it was his parrot ritual or something like that and and he's just <laughs> ran with it he was quoted as saying if they say i'm walking the parrot then whatever they say i'll take it so uh he is he's embraced this uh he's had fun with it and and i think the thirsty parrot should also have some fun with it yeah for sure i i think that's a, a match made in heaven for that uh, endorsement to to be made. I guess it's called walking the parrot now, but originally it was called the Ed Wing. I'm not sure which one I like better, but <laughs> I kind of like Ed Wing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty sweet. But walking the parrot, I mean, that's a nice uh, synonym for for hitting a home run. I I think I'll enjoy saying that uh, in, in 2017. Yeah, hopefully we'll say it about 40 times in the regular season. That would be nice. Yeah. For sure. Well, um, Edwin Encarnacion has a penchant for uh, uh, sports cars and, and fast cars. I know he he really likes his Ferrari that he owns. Um, Cleveland isn't exactly known for its luxury vehicles, but we do have uh, the best roller coaster park in the country at, at, in Cedar Point, just a forty minute drive west of Cleveland uh, in, in Sandusky. Um, obviously, it's closed down right now, but um, probably right before, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be opening before opening day, but, uh, maybe when he has some downtime early on in the season, him and Francisco Lindor and some of those guys can go out to Cedar point and, and get some, uh, some of their speed thrills in there as, as a late birthday celebration. Yeah. I'd say he could go in October, but hopefully he can't because hopefully there'll be some baseball <laughs> in October. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know if Cedar points open in April anymore. I think they, they pushed it back to like May they're opening, uh, weekend. So, so it might be tough for him to squeeze a trip in the Cedar point in there, but if he can, that certainly would, uh, help out his thrills. Uh, tons of great roller coasters there. The Raptor, my personal favorite, Millennium Force. Uh, if you like fast cars, I mean, fast roller coasters are probably right up your alley, especially since you're going yeah. to be storing most of your pretty fast cars in a storage locker for the winter up in Cleveland. Right. Uh, you don't really want to be driving those around with all the salt on the on the ground. Yeah, though, he's come from Toronto, and you know he played in Cincinnati beforehand, so he's no... Though he is from the the islands, uh, he's no stranger to, to cold weather and, and snow. I'm sure he knows what to do with those those fancy cars. Yeah, I would recommend he gets a lot of warm weather clothing. But but you're right, Bob. Playing in Cincinnati and Toronto, I think he probably is already pretty familiar with uh, with the uh, temperatures in the Midwest. And hey, if you spend time up in Canada, I mean, Canada gets pretty cold too. Uh, they have probably similar springs and uh, falls as uh, compared to Cleveland. I, I doubt yeah. he'll spend the winter. Up here, though, I would imagine he would probably visit home during the winter. I don't know for sure, but I would imagine a, a guy, you know, he probably uh, travels a bit during the winter. Probably has family in in other places. Right. Yeah. Most most likely goes home. 
And if I were him, too, I mean, heck, I'd, I'd get out of here. It's like 24 degrees out here. I'd, I'd rather be in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, if I knew some people there, I would, I would certainly um, <laughs> head out there uh, to, for, for my winters. Um, what, what else should he do? Well, I mean, certainly, I mean, you know, Cleveland has a great food scene. I think that that's one of the strengths of the city. A lot of my friends who come in here are just always amazed with how much food is available in this city. It's it's a very underrated food scene, and there's no doubt that Edwin can find uh, maybe not as good as the locale in the Dominican Republic because I don't think you can ever truly duplicate your your hometown's food. I mean, there's something special about that. But from what right. I'm reading, uh, this uh, and excuse me if I say this a little wrong, but Quisqueja La Bella is one of the best Dominican Republic restaurants in the city of Cleveland. And certainly if he's uh, looking for some home cooking, uh, that would probably be the place to start in my mind. Now, I'm like the worst person in the world, as you know, to ask about food. Uh, my, my idea of an adventurous palate is maybe getting something other than barbecue sauce on my wings. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Edwin, uh, I, I wouldn't come to me necessarily for your food suggestions, but from what I hear, uh, this, this restaurant in Cleveland is uh, pretty good Dominican cuisine. Yeah, I've never been there. Um, I, I would say I'm a little bit more adventurous in my food than you are. It, it certainly looks good, you know, rice and beans, chicken, beef, uh, papaya, milkshakes, uh, or I'm, I'm not sure if they call them milkshakes or whatnot, but um, certainly looks good. It's on the west side in the D- Detroit Shoreway, kind of near Ohio City there. Um, definitely looks good. I would also, I also think that there is a really cool thing that could be made of Edwin Encarnacion doing some kind of charitable endorsement with Edwin's in Shaker Square. Uh, and that's, uh, the French, uh, French cuisine restaurant that, um, has a charitable side to it. They employ a lot of, uh, prisoners, uh, former, uh, people that, that have done time, uh, in, in the prison system and they're employed as, uh, chefs and, and waiters and whatnot. Uh, you know, Encarnacion announced at the end of last weekend that he's donating, uh, over a hundred thousand dollars a year annually to both Cleveland and the Dominican Republic, um, in, in charitable donations. I think that, um, you know, just having the name of Edwin's, it's not his cuisine, it's French cuisine, which, um, may have made sense if he were born a little bit West in Haiti, but, um, he was born on the Spanish side of the Island. But I, I think that that would also be a kind of a, a cool little endorsement similar to the, the thirsty parrot thing. Well, and that's that's just a good tie-in with the same name. And, and Edwin's has a very good mission, uh, you know, giving uh, giving people who had done jail time a, a chance to reform themselves. Because a lot of time, those people have a hard time finding work uh, with that sort of convict wrap on your sheet. Um, so, so kudos to that to Edwin's for that mission. And and a guy like Edwin Encarnacion with his name certainly could help out there. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty creative idea, Bob. I'm glad glad you thought of that one. Yeah, well, so, I mean, Edwin's on board. I'm sure uh, he'll be down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, I mean, uh, you know, Edwin Encarnacion. I'm not sure how outgoing he is or, or whatnot, but he is about to to hit the four spot right ahead of Francisco Lindor, who's just a big bundle of energy. I think the two of them need to, to hit the club, uh, go to Belinda's, uh, which was voted as having some of the best salsa dancing in Cleveland. Um, they have live bands. I, I'm pretty sure I know at least a couple of trumpet players that have played in some bands there. Um, and, you know, just, just I, I'm sure it's not uh, on par with, with what's down in the Caribbean, but um, I, I, from what I can ha- 
tell it's the best replication you can get in Cleveland for some salsa dancing and uh, Encarnacion looks pretty grumpy at the plate, but I'm sure he can cut a rug uh, and celebrate his 34th birthday there. And even if he's not a big dancer, it says on their site, don't be intimidating. Beginners are welcome, too. So it's supposed to be a homely atmosphere. I, I have never been. I don't think me and the dance floor mix very well. But, um, <laughs> you know, it certainly seems like the place to go if you're trying to find some of that, you know, salsa dancing, that kind of flavor. And so, uh, you know, yeah, we're, yeah look. Cleveland might not be the D- Dominican Republic. In fact, far from it. But yeah. there's certainly a lot here that can uh, that w- that we can offer everyone at Canarsion. We're just so happy that he decided to come play for us and uh, you know give us more than just one year. Not like a value deal. Like he's going to be here for three years as a club option. So uh, certainly he he sees something in this team. The fans are excited, and I think the city is just going to show him just how welcome, how welcoming we can be. And, and I just hope that he uh, he embraces it all, and, and we're just trying to help him feel a little bit more at home with some ideas and uh, some some things that he can do to try and just uh, enjoy all of what Cleveland has to offer. Because I mean, he's going to be here for, for for a while, at least six months out of the year, probably seven. Because uh, I'm hoping some October baseballs in the Tribe's future this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I- uh, I, I'm pretty uh, still it's hard to believe that that he's here not just as a one-year deal brought in on a trade like he agreed to come here uh, obviously we're paying him a, a massive amount of money to come here but he agreed to come here for, for multiple years and, and intends to stay for a little bit um, which I think it, it is uh, fantastic and, and you know Cleveland um, is the butt of a lot of jokes doesn't have what a lot of things cities have going for them, you know, Toronto is outweighs them in population by, by a hearty margin and, and probably has a little bit more culture, but you know, we, we are certainly friendly and we, we have a lot uh, to surprise and, and amaze some people. So I, I'm really excited for him to be here as well. Um, you know, he's pretty hated if he's on the other, other team, just cause he is such a scowler at the plate and he's a really good player. Um, but from all accounts, he's a very charitable, loving, caring person. So I, I'm excited for him to be a part uh, of the city of Cleveland. Me too, man. It's going to be a fun time to be an Indians fan. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm just so close to winning it last year. Uh, hopefully, Edwin Encarnacion is the piece that, that puts them over the top. And a healthy Danny Salazar and Carlos Carrasco, I think. And Michael yeah. Brantley. I mean, you get those three guys back healthy with Edwin and everything else stays the way it is, uh, it could be a very special year. Yeah, for sure. Definitely excited about it. Um, well, happy birthday to Ever Encarnacion, uh, 34. I don't know what that's like to be that old, but I, I hope he had a good birthday and is having enjoying his time in Cleveland. I know that he went to a Cavs game a few days ago. Um, hopefully he, he feels at home soon. Um, but... He is now not even the most recent all-star to come to Cleveland. The Cavs making a big move uh, over the past few days, trading for Kyle Korver, uh, giving up Mike Dunleavy, Mo Williams, who is essentially a dead money contract, uh, is quote-unquote effectively retired, and a uh, protected first-round draft pick uh, for 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, 2019, they actually had to go to Portland and say, right. hey, take our 2017 pick for our 2018 back. 
oddly enough, because of a rule that was implemented against a former Cleveland owner that prevents franchises from trading right. them first-round picks in back-to-back year, the Ted Stippian rule. Right, right. So Kyle Korver is uh, on his way to Cleveland. I believe he is going to report on Tuesday. Mike Dunleavy was kind of holding up the deal, wasn't really happy about going to Atlanta, said he was going to sit out unless he was bought out. But um, just before we started recording, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, however you pronounce that last name, uh, tweeted that that Mike Dunleavy is reporting to Atlanta and he'll show up on Tuesday. So it looks like that Korver trade is done. He's coming to Cleveland and, and will be in uniform soon. Uh, Chris, this is not a point guard. This is not a big man, but this is a, a definite weapon. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can be upset about bringing in Kyle Korver for the pieces they gave up. Well, first off, no, you can't. And, and second off, this is what we were hoping to get out of Mike Dunleavy. Had Mike Dunleavy recovered from his injury and been the Mike Dunleavy he was two years ago, this trade would have been unnecessary because this was the guy Mike Dunleavy was supposed to be. Now, obviously, Kyle Korver, uh, an improvement, a much better shooter, a healthier shooter, and, I mean, the guy thrives on wide-open looks. And um, when you got Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and Kevin Love, he's going to get open looks. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that there will be times that he is going to have a lot of space to work with. And, 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 and it replaces J.R. Smith's shooting, which is so key. J.R. Smith is so important to this team with the way he stretches the floor and the confidence he brings shooting and his defense. Now, you're not going to replace all of that in one guy because J.R. Smith is one of the best three-point shooters in the game, and he's a solid defender. But at least you get his shooting replaced in Kyle Korver. You have a guy in Shumpert who can play good perimeter defense. In the regular season, this will work. Hopefully, J.R. Smith comes back and is healthy, and then you can really mess with teams by putting Korver and Smith on a, on the floor with, say, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James. I mean, my goodness, Bob. Good luck doubling LeBron with that lineup out there. You've got just him surrounded with just three ice-cold shooters and maybe even Kevin Love at center for a spell there just to really mess with people and stretch them out. Um, I don't know if they'd go that far. Maybe You, you might not want to have Kevin Love at center, but the point is uh, <laughs> there are a lot of um, – a lot of creative things they can do if J.R. Smith comes back healthy. But, but yes, how, how can you not be excited for this trade? They gave up Mo Williams, Mike Dunleavy, a draft pick that's not going to amount to much, especially when you're trying to build a dynasty. Uh, yeah, this, is, this was a no-brainer. And it just goes to show, how has David Griffin not won Executive of the Year ever? I mean, come on, man. He's the yeah. best GM in basketball right now. Yeah, he, he pulls deals out, out of – seemingly nothing um you know if i'm the atlanta hawks i understand this is kind of the nature of how you tear down a team but i mean you could get more for kyle corver i mean for somebody else but i, I don't i guess not i, I mean certainly I, I assume that they're doing their homework but i'm, I'm not going to complain and david griffin like you said uh, knows how to make a deal knows when to capitalize on a team you know trying to shed cap space and knows exactly who to bring in um the biggest uh comparison is the Channing Fry deal of last uh, trade deadline. Um, obviously a, a kind of a plan B to if Kevin Love uh, went down, you still had a big man that could shoot the three ball and has been an integral uh, bench player as well when, when Kevin Love is healthy. Um, you know, his three point field goal percentage uh, last year it, w- splitting time with Orlando and Cleveland was at 387. 
this year is at 453. He's fourth in the league for for a 33 year old, you know, journeyman seven footer. It, it is the fourth most efficient three point shooter in the league right now, and that's due in part because he's the right fit for for this Cleveland model. He gets a lot of open looks and, and is able to to shoot that three and capitalize on that. Kyle Korver is an even better three point shooter has not experienced this LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love bump. Uh, you know, it, it's really uh, the, the sky is the limit in terms of, of what this guy could potentially be able to shoot in terms of efficiency and percentage um, when he's running the floor with, with, with that big three group. And imagine putting Channing Fry as your center, um, having Kevin Love at that power forward. I mean, you have five guys that could shoot that three ball very efficiently I mean, it's, it's really a pick your poison uh, and a strength has only gotten stronger and almost unbeatable for, for the Cavs now. It just got a lot harder to double LeBron and Kyrie. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, but the, the underrated element of this deal is getting Mo Williams off the roster because that frees up a roster spot to sign a veteran backup point guard or center to the veterans minimum exception. So that was the other element of this trade I love. Not only do you get Kyle Korver, but you get the roster flexibility you were looking for to address one of those two needs later on when perhaps more buyouts happen. Like, for instance, when Kendrick Perkins was bought out, they brought him in. Certainly as the trade market heats up, that roster spot could come valuable for a veteran who gets bought out and wants to latch onto a contender. So again, Griffin just showing why he is the best general manager in the NBA and should have won executive of the year each of the last two seasons. Completely wrong that he hasn't. For sure. I, I think as of right now, I mean, this Kyle Korver move is a coup. Um, I, I think he is the front runner to, to win that award. Um, it, it's really odd how they how they reward uh, executive like the, of the year in the, the NBA. The Warriors GM won. I mean, what moves did he make to make that team better last year? I mean, I'm sorry. Like, right. Come on. Right. But anyway. Bob, it's not a podcast. And, oh, I'm sorry. Unless we talk about the Browns. I mean, not to yeah. put a buzzkill there. But yeah. as usual, more coaches leaving. Not the head coach this time. Uh, Ray Horton is out. Uh, Greg Williams is in. You may recognize that name from New Orleans, the whole Bounty Gate thing, but but he is a very good defensive coordinator, most recently uh, with St. Louis slash Los Angeles. Uh, that defense has uh, developed very nicely. Bob, uh, what do you think of the change on that side of the ball? Um, I'm I'm surprised uh, just because Ray Horton, I, I think he's better than what the Browns' stats and, and rankings are. Um, and, and by all accounts, Ray Horton was the, the single guy that, that – uh, Hugh Jackson wanted to run his defense, but um, when you go one and fifteen, I guess a, a move has to be made somewhere to to show that you you recognize that you, this is unacceptable to to be this bad. Um, Greg Williams, like he is a quality defensive coordinator. I I, I just I don't like people that uh, are not good people in sports and you know I know he's done his time and and whatnot with the bounty gate but I I just I I know that there are other qualified defensive coordinators I wish we went out and got one of those but from a pure football standpoint I mean I guess it's a good move you can only get better from what the Browns defense did in this year am I the only one who thinks bounty gate was sillier than spygate I honestly thought it was a bit overblown the whole bounty gate thing 
I, I uh, that's just me. I, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about people's health. For, for me, that's that that crosses a line. I understand the other is is cheating, but I mean, you're talking about something a little bit more base than uh, you know playing the game. You're talking about harming people. I, I, I that just doesn't sit right with me. I mean, I get it. You know, you obviously don't want to knock a player out of the game. I, I get that totally. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that in the game of football and naively say that these defenders aren't trying to do that a little bit anyway. These guys are trying to knock people out. There are vicious hits in this game. I, I'm, I don't necessarily think it was like, you know, hard hits are part of the game. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that Bounty Gate was this huge scandal that most people think it is. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand it's a violent game, um, that those hits are going to happen, that most defenses in that moment want to inflict as much pain on the offense and make them second-guess themselves because of the viciousness of their hits. But there's just something when you assign a figure to it and encourage it, uh as a culture i mean it's everything that's bad that makes me not enjoy the nfl so i i am not happy that that association though it happened about five years ago uh, is coming to cleveland i can't believe that was five years ago it doesn't seem like it was that long but uh yeah, time flies, I guess. Uh, the other coordinator uh, on the offensive side, Pep Hamilton, it looks like he is going to go to Michigan, join Jim Harbaugh's staff. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted about 37 minutes ago that he's accepted an offer. Pretty reliable stuff there if he's tweeting it out. Uh, what do you think about the Browns losing? Uh, technically wasn't their offensive coordinator. He was their associate head coach of offense. Some weird structure there. Uh, yeah. Is, is this a big deal? And not so much as the defensive side, just because I think Hugh Jackson maintained a lot of control on the offensive side. That's why we didn't have an official offensive coordinator. You know, Pep Hamilton, by all accounts, is a good quarterback guru, a good quarterback mind. Hugh Jackson also is one of those guys as well. I, I trust Hugh Jackson on the offensive side to, to find somebody that he trusts. I thought that uh, Pep Hamilton, I, I liked Ray Horton and Pep Hamilton. I'm kind of sad to see both of them go. But, um, you know, I understand that, I mean, going to Michigan is a much safer gig. <laughs> probably has a little bit more long-term longevity than uh, the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator. Um, so I, I, I'm not making much of it. Uh, it is unfortunate that we're going to have two new coordinators come in with two new systems for, for what is a young team. Yeah, I mean, that part's unfortunate. At the same time, I do think that as long as the head coach is stable, I mean, you, teams lose coordinators all the time. I mean, these guys move around. Um, I, I think as long as the overarching philosophy stemming from the head coach is consistent, um, the coordinators are not as big of a deal. I'm not saying they're not important, but I do think that, that it's easier to sort of keep continuity replacing coordinators than it is your head coach like the Browns have been doing quite frequently. So at the end of the day, yeah. certainly significant, but not something that I'm going to panic over. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, sticking with the Browns, uh, a couple draft mentions, uh, declarations, and a non-declaration. Mitch uh, Trubisky uh, from former mentor high school quarterback, currently with uh, 
University of North Carolina, potential Browns number one overall pick, uh, is entering the draft. He was a junior, so he could have uh, returned. And some people say that he he might have benefited from returning because he is still pretty raw, uh, only started one year. So he's in the draft. JT Barrett from Ohio State is returning for 2017. Uh, Curtis Samuel, running back for, for OSU, is declaring for the draft. What are your thoughts on those three moves? Well, uh, JT Barrett coming back to Ohio State could be a, a good thing for the Buckeyes. Uh, they would have an experienced uh, one, a, a good quarter, a good college quarterback. And I say that because I, I don't think I do think he has to work on his passing ability. Um, but he's one of the most explosive players in college football, so it's certainly a good thing for the Buckeyes. Curtis Samuel, I, I mean, obviously you want to strike while the iron's hot. Very versatile player, can play running back or wide receiver. I think he'll have a career in the NFL. Mitch Taberski, though, declaring for the NFL draft, making it official. I can't wait to talk about him for four months and hear all the opinions yeah. uh, to and fro about whether or not they should take him because uh, yeah. Bob Bob is, is having the number one pick this year with this guy available almost a curse because if you pass on him, what if he comes back and you don't want this guy to one-up your franchise? Yeah, I know. I mean, it, Deshaun Kaiser hasn't declared yet, but he's also a Toledo guy. I mean, you have potentially two of the, the top three quarterbacks going in this draft with Ohio ties men are obviously being really close to Cleveland um this this feels like the guy that that the Browns are going to take but uh, who who knows um four months is is a really long time uh, especially in this day and age with the draft guys can shoot up you know we weren't talking about Carson Wentz at this time uh, last year going so high so um, it it will be definitely interesting but you know the the debate has officially started and, and uh, you know, the Browns are, are on the clock for, for the next four months. So that'll be interesting. JT Barrett, I, I found it. Um, yeah, I agree with you. He's not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I don't, I just don't think he has the skill set. Um, you know, he returns for his final season. I, I mean, I, I think there, there could potentially be a, a quarterback competition in the spring. I, I, I know that you have, you know what you're getting with JT Barrett, but um, one of the deficiencies of Ohio state that became apparent was the lack of a passing game it might be time to, to look elsewhere. So, so that'll be interesting. And then Curtis Samuel, like you said, that's uh, that, you know, he fills a role in the NFL that is becoming even more uh, utilized and popular. So it's not surprising that he's going into the draft. Uh, do you think JT Barrett might pull a Broxton Miller and say, Hey, I'm not going to be a quarterback. Let me get one year at an H back position under my belt to show NFL scouts that, Hey, I've got experience here. Maybe I get drafted higher than I would have. Cause there's certainly no doubt yeah. Broxton Miller played his way into the second round by doing that. Yeah. Uh, I think he needs to consider it. Uh, you know, Braxton Miller had a little bit of a different situation. He had JT Barrett and Cardell Jones, both, proven to be successful quarterbacks at the college level is obvious that he was a third stringer and um, his injury you know, we, really prevented him from throwing very accurately yeah v- very true um with Barrett you know we haven't really seen any of those quarterbacks waiting in the wings and you know they're by no means as proven as Barrett and Jones were in, in Miller's situation but I think Barrett should definitely consider it we, we know he can run we know he's athletic um but we also know that um, you know, a lot of the blame for, for OSU against Clemson and for their struggles that late in the season rested on him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the passing game needs to improve. Can you do it with Barrett? That, that remains to be seen. Uh, not to make this an NFL draft segment, but am I the only one who thinks it's kind of crazy that uh, Deshaun Kaiser is rated ahead of Deshaun Watson on the draft board right now? 
Well, I, uh, what, what draft, I, I think it depends on what draft board you're looking at. Uh, you know me, I, I, I read them kind of on a daily basis. I, I've seen Deshaun Watson going number one or number two in some. Oh, okay. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, I, I've seen uh, rated ahead of him as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't really know. I, I think if Watson, we're, we're going to see Watson play tonight in the national championship game. I, I think he'll for sure land ahead of Kaiser, but um yeah, it is interesting that there isn't a consensus amongst those three. Yeah, I mean, certainly plenty of time for that to sort itself out. But, uh, Bob, one thing that did sort itself out, sadly, came to the end right before the record. Columbus Blue Jackets, man, 16 straight, couldn't get that NHL record 17. They lost two straight, but they bounced back against the Flyers to get to 60 points in the NHL standings, which is the league lead and and the lead of a very tough metropolitan division by the way with the penguins and rangers at 57 they're the uh second and third best teams in their conference uh, and the capitals not far behind uh bob kind of sad to see the blue jackets fall just short of history yeah d- definitely um they they have sole possession of second place you know they, they exited that tie with the the um early to 2010s uh pittsburgh penguins um you kind of you definitely wanted them to get that one more win but it definitely uh was not in the cards uh they fell behind quickly and often in that game and got kind of run out of the rink um pretty sad but i mean man that that was a run and for the blue jackets to do it kind of out of nowhere that that was certainly impressive just to give you guys an exa- uh, a picture of how tough that metropolitan is chicago blackhawks we debated about being in the NHL's current dynasty a couple podcasts ago, one one of them last year. Uh, they have 57 points, and they are leading the Western Conference. That would put them tied with the Penguins and Rangers for third in the Metropolitan Division if they were in the East. So a uh, very tough division Columbus is playing in. And for a team that's just had no success whatsoever, anywhere remotely close to this in their history, uh, to be at 60 points, uh, pretty fantastic. Go Blue Jackets. I'm all in on them this year. I hope they have a lot of success. Yeah, me too. I, I certainly hope so, for sure. All right, we'll uh, go into uh, the FCS level of college football. Obviously, we're wrapping up FBS play uh, this week, but Youngstown State falling to James Madison in the FCS final, 28-14. to 14. Uh, They took, a, took dug themselves in a pretty big hole in that first quarter, going, going down 14 to nothing. Um Good to see Youngstown State back in in the FCS final. Um, it, it has been a, a couple of years, I, I'd say. I, well, who's it? Bo Pelini is the head coach there, right? Wow, I I, co- I totally forgot that Bo Pelini went to Youngstown State. That's pretty cool. Now that I uh, like that. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, that's one heck of a gift for them. He had a pretty good run at Nebraska, and uh, now they're in the FCS final. Um, Twelve and four season. Uh, a very good season for Youngstown State. Nothing to be ashamed of getting that far. A lot of Ohio teams had good run. I mean, Mountain Union's always good. John Carroll, that was the story in Division Three. Youngstown State, uh, getting back to its some of its old glory days. Um, so, so very, very good. Nice to see another Ohio team have success in football, especially one with Penguins as a mascot because Penguins are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> they are pretty cool. I, I actually went to a couple of Youngstown State games in, in college. They're pretty fun. Um, this is the first. Uh, their first appearance in the FCS playoffs since 2006, um, and since 2000, they've only been two other times, so good to see them back. 
yeah, so moving to over in the college realm to basketball, Akron off to a 12-3 and start, leading in the MAC. The Buckeyes off to a 10-6 and start, 0-3 in the Big Ten, lost to Minnesota most recently, Illinois and Purdue. Bob, Buckeyes, man, Thad Mata used to be like always having this team as a one or a two seed. The last couple of years, they've been very disappointing. Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, kind of shocking how mediocre that they've been. They haven't been terrible, but they just haven't been that dominant team that we kind of thought that they were headed with that Mata uh, when he was originally hired. So um, I don't know. I mean, he has to kind of show something either this year to close out the year or, or next year. Um, or, or I mean, I, we could be talking about a new Ohio State basketball coach pretty soon. Um, yeah, that, that that that's pretty surprising that they've you know that they just came out of the Big Ten gate and, and just stumbled so 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 massively against those teams. I also think that the one and done rage has hurt Thad Mata. He used to be one of the few coaches who would recruit one and done players, and now that schools like Duke and North Carolina and some of the other schools are saying, okay, we have to put this rule of not recruiting them on hold because Kentucky's cleaning our clocks every year. I think that has hurt him on the recruiting front because he used to not have to compete with those guys for one and done. Yeah. And I think that that helped Ohio State immensely. And, of course, Tom Crean being in Indiana, that's changed things. Uh, the Big Ten has some really good recruiting coaches. So, I mean, it, the landscape has changed dramatically. But I think that more than ever, Coach K deciding to put his one-and-done rule aside and go after guys like Kyrie Irving, Tyus Jones, and uh, Jaleel Okafor. Um, the, the pool surrounding these one-and-dones is not just John Calipari anymore. Very true. Uh, yeah, that might be a, a, a pretty big point in, in their struggles recently. That's a really good point. All righty, man. We picked Alabama-Clemson last week, so you can listen to our picks on last week's episode. Obviously a big game. You want to change your mind? I do not want to change my mind. I'm sticking with Clemson. Right. They're going to win. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, baby. He's going to show why he should be the number one pick and not Mitch Trubisky or Deshaun Kaiser. I'm not, I'm not saying the Browns should take a quarterback number one. I am reserving my pick for the Browns at number one until I see what they do on the trade market and in the offseason. So I didn't make a resolution for them like you did. Anyway, but <laughs> speaking of NFL football, playoff NFL football, Bob, I went 4-0 last week. I know I picked all the home teams, but – it's pretty good. Solid stuff. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to you, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you. I think you're fishing for that. <laughs> I, 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 hey, uh, hey. You know what? I will take it. I have no shame. <laughs> I will whatever. But I think this round's <laughs> going to be a little harder, Bob. Yeah, a little bit harder and hopefully a little bit more enjoyable. I'd say two and a half of those games were not fun to watch. Uh, the the Houston-Oakland game was atrocious pittsburgh just ran miami out uh the gate they scored 21 points in in their first three possessions um that that giants packers game was close a little bit uh and then uh the the packers opened it up at the end and and the seahawks game was kind of close but lions were never offensively in that game so uh, kind of not fun to watch the any of those games i mean did one stick out to you 
I I like the Packers-Giants game because it was competitive well into the third quarter. That Hail Mary by Aaron Rodgers was one of the best throws of the year. Phenomenal. And it was almost a carbon copy of the Hail Mary at the half. Eli Manning threw in the 2011 playoffs when they went in there and upset the 15-1 Packers. Uh, Go Google that, his Hail Mary to Hakeem Nix. It's almost the exact same. It is the exact same end zone, exact same side. It's really crazy how close those two plays look. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, Green Bay, I thought that was a good game. Miami teased me for a little bit because Pittsburgh got up 20-6, to and then Miami got an interception, and they drove down, and you thought they were going to score, and then they fumbled. And that was the beginning of three right. straight turnovers, and that's what killed them. If Miami could have just scored on that possession, it would have been interesting. Um, and then I didn't get to watch much of the Saturday games because I, I had an assignment for the paper I write for. And, Bob, I'm actually not going to get to watch any of these divisional games this weekend because uh, I'm off uh, covering basketball. But I think the easiest one of these four to picks is I would be – I think the upset of the year would be if Houston beat New England. I think New oh, England oh, is yeah. going to win. Oh, yeah. 16-point favorites. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a favorite in, in this round of the playoffs, but that has to be really high. Um, obviously the Patriots blew out the Texans earlier in the year. I mean, yeah, that, that one is the easiest to pick. I, I'm new England all the way. These other three are, are really intriguing. Does one stick out as the most entertaining for you potentially? Oh my gosh. I think they're all really good matchups. Um, I, I am getting more confident that Seattle is going to win this matchup with Atlanta. I think their defense is starting to get its mojo back, and I think Thomas Rawls has definitely found his mojo back. And it, when Atlanta yeah. can run the ball effectively, I mean, excuse me, Seattle can run the ball effectively, they're very tough to beat. So I, I actually think a uh, number two confidence pick would be Seattle over Atlanta. I, I agree with that as well. Um, this, if correct me if I'm wrong, I believe was also a rematch from from earlier in the year. It is. had a controversial pass interference play that that ended Atlanta's attempt at a comeback. So, um, or excuse me, a controversial non-pass. Yeah, interference it was a, call it was that, a no call. Uh, Richard Sherman pulled a veteran move, kind of hooked uh, Julio Jones's arms. I remember he kind of put his hand on his elbow, but shielded his back from the official so he couldn't see it. It, it was a pretty savvy uh, way to get it in there. I'll give him yeah. credit for that. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I mean, the Seahawks secondary is obviously known for pulling all sorts of moves against wide receivers at various times, but that was at peak Atlanta efficiency. You know, Atlanta had a huge offensive year, but, you know, that was mid-October. Atlanta came right out of the gate, you know, scoring massive amounts of points and yards, and then they kind of ran into the buzzsaw of Seattle. Um, it's not in Seattle this time. It's in Atlanta, so that might change things, but I'm pretty confident that Seattle – has found their mojo on both sides of the ball. I agree with you. I'm going with Seattle, picking the road upset on that one. Um, for me, I, I'm most intrigued by uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger, it was kind of hard to believe that that was their first playoff game together. One of them or all of them is usually hurt by this time. Roethlisberger now has has a banged-up ankle, but at least all three of them are healthy going into Kansas City that's a really stout defense, a tough place to play, but those three guys are so exciting to watch individually and play together. I think that that will be a really exciting game to, to watch, and I'm picking the road team as well. I think Pittsburgh's going to win that one. I am going to differ with you. I think Kansas City is the second toughest place to play in the NFL next to Seattle, and I think the Chiefs have gotten better since they lost to Pittsburgh in the regular season. I think that that defense – 
They have found some playmakers emerging, and Alex Smith is is just quietly having another really good year. I actually think the Chiefs will beat the Pittsburgh in. I think the line is like minus one. It's been fluctuating back, so it's it's pretty much an even money game. I don't think there's an upset in either uh, any way you pick. I think this is the toughest one to pick, though. Um, I, I think the winner of this game should make it pretty entertaining against New England in the AFC title game, especially if it's Pittsburgh because of the history between those two teams. But I do think that Pittsburgh, I mean, excuse me, Kansas City will win this game. All right. We're differing there. And what about Green Bay at Dallas? I think Aaron Rodgers, uh, you can never count the Packers out, but Dallas is certainly a very complete team that has the potential to, to just shut Green Bay down. Um, are you leaning one way or the other? Well, I made a bold prediction last week that the winner of the Giants-Packers would win the NFC, but the Packers lost Jordy Nelson to injury and a pretty bad one, too. He, like, ruptured three muscles in his uh, side. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty bad hit. Uh, I don't think he will be playing for the rest of the year. That is a huge loss for Green Bay. Um, But I am going to stick with my guns and say – that the Packers will beat the Cowboys and have a rematch back in Seattle of the epic collapse that Green Bay had last time they were this deep in the playoffs. Um, So I I think they will go into Dallas and win. I'm going to stick with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, ever since he said we're going to run the table, they have proved him right. I think the running of the table continues into Dallas for what would be an upset against the uh, best record in the NFL on the road. Yeah, I'm going with the Packers as well. I, I, I watched Aaron Rodgers play last night against the Giants, and he is just one of the most fun players to watch. And I think he has his, his A game right now and is ready to be a, a giant slayer. And I don't mean that, uh, you know, take the pun or whatever, but he's going up against, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, one of the most complete teams this year. So I think he has the, the capability to do it with or without Jordy Nelson. Um, they're talking about that Nelson could practice on Saturday. Um, you described that injury. I find that hard to believe, but there's a chance that he can play. And if he's out there, uh, that gives them an even better chance to win. Just some follow-up stats on Kansas City. Uh, that that week four beatdown was 43-14, to 14, Pittsburgh over the Chiefs in Pittsburgh. A couple of stats, though. Andy Reid is 16-2 and coming off a bye, and he's 3-0 and in the playoffs when he gets a bye through the wild card round. So... I think the Chiefs are a little bit better than they are in week four. That that was ages ago. I like the Chiefs, and I agree with you, Bob. I like the Packers, man. Whenever Aaron Rodgers pulls out these R-E-L-A-X or we're going to run the table things, what he should do is just lose in week one and then just say R-E-L-A-X, we're going to run the table, and then they'll go like 15-0. and 0. <laughs> Like that's what should happen. They should just tank week one yeah. and let Aaron Rodgers do his thing, and then they'll never lose again. So that's, that is the formula for the Green Bay Packers from now until eternity. It's a, it's working for him. I mean, can't, can't argue with that. Uh, but, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, probably – the most singular entertaining person to, to watch play football right now. Uh, I, I'm really it should excited be a about good that one, game. But um, sadly, I won't be able to watch any of them, Bob. It's kind of kind of crazy. I'll I'll send you. I'll think, give you updates. Word <laughs> by get, word. I'll get a uh, B B S P N. I'll be tight. But all righty, man. We have packed a ton in this podcast as usual. Got some more picks. Hopefully, I'll stay perfect. I've always wanted to pick in the perfect NFL playoffs be nice if I did it this year. That'd be great. But sadly, we have to wait till next week. Find out if uh, that continues. Find out some more Cleveland news, all that stuff. 
always something going on in C-Town. But please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. Just search Fenley Road Sports, click Clee Talk, or you could go to FenleyRoadSports.com and click the little iTunes icon in the top right corner. There's also an Instagram and a Twitter icon. You can search for those by searching Fenley Road Sports on those respective websites. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please come back for another episode of Clee Talk presented by Fenley Road Sports next week and every week where Bob and I talk the world of Cleveland sports right here on this podcast. But until then, go Cavs. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Cavs. Take it easy, Bob.